been good to anybody in here? I said, has the Lord been good? And we are grateful, amen, for God's goodness and his mercy and his kindness to us on this morning. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. We're certainly grateful for each of you who come to share with us on this, this day, a very special day, amen. It's the our Juneteenth holiday, amen, where we celebrate, amen, our freedom in this country, amen, respective to what God has done for us as uh, as a culture, as a race of people, God's blessings and conference upon us uh, celebrating June 19th, 1865, amen, when the message finally reached, amen, some of the slaveholders in Texas, amen, that the war was over, that we had been guaranteed our freedom, amen, and we celebrate that on today, which as of last year, I believe last year was a, became a federal holiday, amen, and we're grateful, amen, for that as well. And, of course, today we also celebrate Father's Day, amen, a day where we celebrate, amen, the men who raised us, and we're grateful uh, for an opportunity to show them appreciation and love on this day, amen, which created for me a very special uh, type of conundrum, if you will, in how to celebrate both days, but amen, some kind of way God has worked that into a message that we want to share with you on today, amen, a very profound uh, message that I believe that not only addresses fathers, it addresses black fathers, it addresses us, amen, even more uh, systemically as a people and even addresses some of the matters of the day. So we want to get into that quickly. We will be going to Second Corinthians chapter 4 from the King James Version, looking at verses four through, through verses 7 through 9. Again, that's uh, the Second Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 7 through 9 from the King James Version in just a moment. But we just want to say thank you to all our fathers who've come. We appreciate you, your work, uh, your steadfastness, those godly fathers who prayed for us, who looked after us, who cared for us. Amen. And we appreciate you on today. And we thank God for you. And we pray that we have a message that will be a special encouragement on for you on today. Thank God for those who are visiting with us on this morning. We appreciate you. Praise God for you. Pray that you will come and be with us on, on again. Amen. Again, we're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're looking at verses 7 through 9. And if you go with us there, we're going to read that into your hearing from the King James Version. It reads, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. My thought for this morning, if you'll go with me on this special uh, day where we're celebrating both fathers and freedom. I want to talk about freedom 
to lead. Freedom to lead. We're coming from freedom to fatherhood, but I want to talk about specifically as a topic, the freedom to lead. In celebrating and acknowledging Juneteenth, let's be specific. We're talking about the end of one of the most egregious massacres of human beings and the egregious servitude of African people who found their way to America through slave ships. We were brought here to basically be a part of the Southern American economy and their way to get ahead and to go forward in some of this, what we call capitalism, was to achieve it through free labor. It was about money. We were brought here as slaves to boost the Southern economy so that they could get free labor. And all of that was about money. We came here through and through the sweat of our backs and through tears, we still persisted. And we persisted and we lived because part of the enslaver's role was to keep us alive. They wanted us to live so that we could continue to pour into their economy. They wanted us to live so that we could build buildings, some of which still stand today, but they wanted them to be built for free. They wanted to benefit from the fields and from their farming, but they wanted their labor to be free. They wanted to build wealth, but at the same time, make sure that the persons whose hard work was responsible for that wealth never took part in it. That was why we were brought here. We were brought here because we were considered inferior. We were brought here because our labor was free. We were brought here to boost the economy of America and America's economy in its inception is built upon free labor, the free labor of enslaved black Africans. So when we talk about it, let's be clear about what we're speaking about. When we say that we're celebrating Juneteenth and we celebrate the liberty that we have, that liberty was paid for at a hefty price. Many people had to die for us to be free. Many people slaved all of their lives. We talk about the ones who escaped and we talk about the ones who were brutally killed and we know their names, but we don't talk about the ones who worked every day of their life as a slave, every day as a slave on the plantation, woke up and went to sleep with the same routine and died in slavery. We are free based upon the backs of our ancestors who paid for our freedom. So when we say we're free, it's nice to say it with a hot dog and a T-shirt. It's okay to say we're free while waving a Juneteenth flag. And it's, it's okay for us to get together at a barbecue. But when we celebrate freedom, let's make sure we understand what we're celebrating. Because just as we celebrate being Christians, you can't celebrate the, the glory of the cross without also understanding the depth of Christ's suffering on the cross. You can't celebrate being Christian without also being connected to the stripes that were poured upon his back and the nails that were driven through his hand and the spear that was pierced into his side. Yes. 
So when we celebrate the freedom of being Christians and when we celebrate the freedom of being black African-Americans here in America, let's understand that whatever freedom we're celebrating, it was paid for at a hefty price. It's free to us, but never forget, it was not cheap. So on that day in, in June 19th of 1865, when when one of the colonels of the army decided to arrive there in Texas to pass to them the message that they were free, understand that his work, that he himself did not liberate them. It was the message that he passed to them. They were already free. He was telling them and updating them on a condition that already existed. They were already free. They just didn't know it. He was simply the messenger to reveal to them something that had already happened. Let me get back to that. Because when thinking of this, particularly in as it relates to us in America and it relates to how we were perceived. See, the Declaration of Independence told us that you're here, but we don't see you. You're here, but we don't see you. How do I know they didn't see us? Because the the Declaration of Independence said all men are created equal. But when it was talking about all men, they weren't looking at us. They didn't see us. When it said that we have the right to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that 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 is our fundamental rights, an inalienable right, they said that, but they didn't see us. We were not included in the declaration. We were here, but they simply did not see us. And then the constitution came along and it said, and the constitution says that I see you, but you still don't count. I see you, but you still don't count. You know, today we often celebrate and people are, are, are happy about celebrating certain amendments. I, I, so I, 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 I support Uh, The First Amendment, I support the Second Amendment, I support the Third Amendment. The amendments came after the initial writing of the Constitution, integral to the foundation of our Constitution is that we don't count. Article 1, not Article 2 or 3, Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3, says that Africans while we don't have the right to vote, will be counted as three-fifths of a person for the purpose of being apportioned for voting and legislation. In other words, they're saying you don't count, you can't vote, but I'm going to count you as three-fifths of a person when we figure out how many representatives need to come to the state of Tennessee. How many representatives will be apportioned to the middle Tennessee and to west Tennessee and to east Tennessee? They, we were here and they recognized us, but we still didn't count because we could not vote. But yet they used our numbers to apportion representatives. They used our numbers to get more people in Congress. You're here, but you don't count. That's what Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3 of our United States Constitution says. And I say that to people and I say that to children to remind you, reading is fundamental. You better read. You, a lot of people get on social media and they want to talk, but they don't want to read. 
before you start talking, make sure you read so you have something to share, so that you have a little understanding. And make sure that you read it for yourself, not something I heard on Facebook. I wish I had it up here. Read it for yourself. And I'll, the Bible, well, you need a scripture. The Bible says it this way, and all that getting, get an understanding. I'm not going to get an understanding from a social media post. I need to read it for myself. Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3 of our Constitution says that. And if that was not enough, the fact that we're, I see you but you don't count was confirmed by the Supreme Court in Dred Scott versus Sanford. In Dred Scott versus Sanford, it ratified for us. It let us know that a black man cannot sue because he's not a real citizen. You don't have the rights of a citizen to sue. So that means a person can treat you any way they want to treat you. And you cannot sue them because you're not a citizen. I see you. I see you. But you still don't count. See you. But you, but you need to understand. We need to understand where we came from. You need to understand where you come because if you don't have a good understanding of where you come from, you, you have, a, have a tendency to not know where you're going. And not only will you not know where you're going, you have a tendency to repeat the mistakes that you made in the past if you don't understand where you come from. Dred Scott versus Sanford ratified the idea that I see you, but you still don't count. Now then came the 14th Amendment. The war is over. The, 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 the Civil War is over. The 14th Amendment has been ratified as a part of, of our Constitution. But then came Jim Crow laws. So in response to the 14th Amendment, Jim Crow laws came along to tell us, you're here. I see you. You count, but I still can't hear you. You're here. I see you. You count, but I still can't hear you. Because Jim Crow laws said, I, now we get to count you as a whole person, but we're going to make sure you don't vote. We're going to create tests just for you to make sure that you don't pass. We're going to use weaponize the police force, which was just cre mostly created for the purpose of catching runaway slaves anyway. So they, 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 they were doing what they were, they were doing what they were created to do. They, they, we're going to weaponize the police force and the KKK to come intimidate you. So those who tried to get black people to vote, their houses were firebombed. If you tried to organize black people to vote, you were intimidated and hung and lynched. Your life was lost. Your kids were slaughtered. Your, your home was destroyed. Churches, were, churches tried to get together. They firebombed the churches. They lynched the preacher. They would do anything to intimidate you so, that because they, so they can say, I'm intimidating you. You're here. I see you. You count. But I still can't hear you because you cannot and we will not allow you to vote. So because you want, we're keeping you from voting, your voice is silenced. And let me turn that on its head because now today, some of us are voluntarily silenced. They don't hear you because you're not saying something. Get this. You're not saying it in a place that counts. You're talking about it on Facebook, but you're not registered to vote. You're starting petitions on Instagram and you got all these beautiful posts and all these long scriptures and words and you're repeating Martin Luther King and all these other people, but you don't vote. You're voluntarily silencing yourself.
You might as well be imposing Jim Crow restrictions on yourself every time you choose not to go vote. Because that's all Jim Crow wanted. You're here. I see you. You count. But I still can't hear you. But I want you to understand something, particularly with black fathers. We particularly and specifically were the targets of many of these restrictions, even during slavery. You know what? This is what this is what slavery conditioned us to do. And I want you to get that because I want you to understand how that fundamentally fits in with what we often see as an absence of black fathers. During slavery, they wanted us to breed, but never wanted us to lead. They wanted the black man, the black father to breed, but they didn't want him to leave because he could breed a child, but the child wasn't his. The child didn't belong to him. It belonged to the master. So the slave master wanted the black man to have children, but he didn't want him to lead him because he wanted the child to have a mentality where he understood he was subservient not to his father, but to his slave master. His father did not have authority over him. His father did not have an opportunity to lead him because he had to take his leading from his master. The father was encouraged to breed, but he was prohibited from being able to lead. So I want you to get that in the context and get you an understanding of how that idea and that concept perpetuates itself. So the black father is conditioned and taught to breed, but he was prohibited from leading. And can you see, some of you can see it right now, even how those arrows and how that fits together in the problems with the black man and the black man understanding of fatherhood and his ability to, to take hold of his role in the house. Remember, we're talking about this scripture. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. There's something in us, but sometimes the thing that is in us, we can be conditioned not to exercise our own authority. Let me say that again. We can be conditioned as Christians not to exercise our own authority. I always say this, and I need you to get it, and I keep saying it because sometimes you haven't grabbed hold of it, but I want you to know that you are more powerful than you think. I want you to find somebody, point at them, look at them in the eye, and say, you are more powerful than you think. You're more powerful than you think. God has placed something powerful within you. He's telling you this right here in this this passage. He said, you have this treasure. You have it. You have it. Have it. Look at him again and say, you have it. It didn't say you will get it. It didn't say you will earn it. It didn't say one day you might possess it. It's telling you right now in this moment, in the present, you have it. You have this treasure. In earthen vessels, it's already in you. To the black father, I'm letting you know, even though it was tried to be conditioned away. And even though others told you you didn't have the ability to exercise it or the authority to use it, but I want you to know that your dominion has been restored. You have it. You have this treasure. Because I always say that you can't pull something out of somebody that's not God did not put in them. Can't pull out of them something 
that they didn't put in them. And that's why sometimes we have, uh, have women who, who, who want to be wise, but they're dealing with a man who doesn't have being a husband in him. And you're trying to pull something out of him that, that's, I wish you were here, that is not in him. And we need to understand that sometimes we got, and I know you get this one. You've been in a place where there was somebody who became a supervisor that shouldn't have been. And the job was trying to pull something out of them that wasn't in there. Come on, I know I got a witness right there. They don't even know how to deal with people, but they promoted them. And now everything's a mess because the job was trying to pull something out of them that was not in them. But what I'm telling you, as black men, God, as fathers, God has put leading in you. He's put leadership in you. And just because you've been conditioned not to use that power and that authority, I come as a messenger. Just as that colonel came on that day to spread the message. I'm not the one conferring to you the power. I'm just the messenger telling you that you already have the power. You have, you have, it is already in you. It's already in you. There are so many things in us, and let me talk to you, let me give it to you this way. A lot of times we have things in us and we don't recognize the, 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 the diversity of things that are in us. Diversity of things. Let me tell everybody in here, I'll tell you right now, and I want you to get it, but I'll give it to you in a minute, and you'll, and you'll get it and you'll understand. Every single one of you all have another language in you. Every single one of you. Every single person in here has another language in here. You know why I know? Because if you were born in France, you'd speak French. If you were born in Germany, you would speak German. Come on, talk to me. If you were born in Latin America, you'd speak Portuguese, you'd speak Spanish. You'd speak another language based simply on where you were born. So that means that diversity of ability and thought and mind is in you. If you were born in, in Japan, you'd be speaking fluent Japanese. If you were born, born in China. You, you would have all of these languages in you so that there is diversity of thought in you. There's something in you that sometimes we simply have not unlocked. We have not unlocked the power of what God has put in us. A lot of times there are people who are exercising and working in areas simply because their parent did it. Their parent taught them to do that, and therefore, they did it. If you had a different parent, if you had a different teaching, you might have something else in you, and you simply have not unlocked what God has already placed in you. And what I'm telling you, when you have this treasure, this treasure has diversity. It's not just one thing. That means you have a diversity of gifts. You have a diversity of talents that, that, that's simply in you. I come to t- I want to challenge somebody in it. Somebody in here has a million dollar idea in your mind. You simply just have not unlocked the potential and the power of what you have already in you. Somebody say it's in me. 
it's in me. And I, I want to tell and challenge the father. That, see, because this is what happens. And I want you to get this because I want you to understand the power of conditioning. Sometimes as a black man, we reduce ourselves to our conditioning. Because everybody in here knows a black man who has several children by several women. And they keep having children because they're re- relating back to their conditioning where they were only breeders and not leaders. Oh, I want you, I want you to just get that. The, the conditioning was so deep that I don't need you to lead. That's what our country said. I don't need you to lead. Don't need you to lead. Don't want your leadership. But I want you to keep having children. Because the more children you have, the more workers I have on my plantation. So it's deep in the conditioning and the psyche of the black man that I am a breeder. I have children, but I don't lead. And I came as a messenger of God to to help you through the word, to to unlock the leadership that is already in you. And I want to state it in the same way that the scripture stated is you have. This treasure, you already have it. It's already in there. God is simply wanting you to unlock the potential of what you have inside of you. God wants you to pull it out. Because, like I said, as fathers, black fathers were targeted. Who who do you think the target is of the laws against interracial marriage? Do you think it's black women? Think about it. Black men. Because slave masters were having lots of mixed children with the black women. Sally Hemings, we're not going to go that way. You can look her up. That's been proven through DNA and blood that her children, their father, one of their forefathers was Thomas Jefferson. Sally Hemings, a slave. There was not a problem with the white father in a mixed relationship. So what was the law targeting? The law was targeting black men. Because, again, the law was targeting black men because they didn't mind them being breeders, but they didn't want them to be leaders. They didn't want them as the head of that home. So, again, when we see them, Having lots of children, but not neglecting their responsibility to lead. They're simply reducing themselves to the conditioning that they had to breed, but never to lead. But I just came as a messenger, just like the messenger 157 years ago, to tell you that you're free. Black men. You're free. Black fathers, you're free. Now, you're not, you're not free to breathe, but I'm coming to tell you, not just free to breathe, but you are free to lead. You have been empowered. God has unlocked that which he already poured in you. Fatherhood is in you, black man. I want to say, fatherhood is in you. Black man, fatherhood is in you. I, I want to declare that to somebody even who's struggling in a situation where they are not with their, the, their baby's mama, as they say. Fatherhood is still in you. 
I don't care how difficult the situation is. I don't care what the custody arrangement is right now. I don't care how long you've been out of that child's life. I don't care how far behind you are on child support. Fatherhood is still in you. You still have an opportunity to lead. Because God put it in you. And even though it was attempted to be conditioned away by your ancestors, God put it in you. And man does not have the authority to strip away what God put in you. And I wish somebody would clap right there because somebody in your life right now is mad because they see how successful you are. Somebody's mad right now because they see the favor that God has put on your life. Somebody's mad right now because it seems like you got your life together. But don't worry about all of those who would attempt to strip away what God gave you if God said it. It is done. It is done. Nobody can strip away that which God has already placed in me. I want to remind you that there's so much that has been done to us, but God has still put authority in us. Our dominion has not been taken away. Point at somebody and say, you still have dominion. I'm going to leave this. I'm going to drop this and then we're going to close. I told you that many things have reminded us, many things in this country, the, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the, the, the 14th Amendment, the Jim Crow laws, the, the end of slavery, all of those things have reminded us of our position. And one of the most powerful things that just happened was the death of George Floyd. And to put it in context with what I've shared, the death of George Floyd said, you're here. I see you. You count. And I hear you. But I don't care. You're here. I see you. You count. And I hear you. But I don't care. I don't care that you're struggling. I don't care that you're suffering. I don't care the the history of your ancestors. Slavery was a long time ago. Racism doesn't exist. I don't care if this monument offends you. I don't care if this flag offends you. You're here. I see you. You count. I hear you. But I still don't care. That is what we have to deal with right now. We are not physically in chains. Sometimes we feel the chains of our history jangling in the background. I wish I had. Martin Luther King put it this way. He said, I love, and this is what people say who say we don't love this country. I love the potential and promise of the United States. I love the potential and promise of America. But in his march on Washington Street, Martin Luther King said that America has defaulted on its promissory note, which means that some of the promises that we were given, we have not yet received. Because not only am I here, I want you to know I'm here. I want you to see me. I want you to count me. I want you to hear me. And I want you to care. Because what's the point of hearing me if you don't care about what I'm saying? What's 
of him. But I praise God that our ancestors who didn't make it to this point found consolation in knowing that their Savior cares. For we have not a high priest which has not been touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. We have a Savior who cares for us, who nurtures us, who protects us. And see, our ancestors had to protect their bodies, and now we have to protect our minds. <laughs> they had to fight physically before their bodies. They had to fight physically for their freedom, but now we have to fight with our minds, and some of us are ill-equipped. Why? Because we don't read. We don't understand. And you know what we don't do like they did? We don't pray like they pray. They knew how to pray. And some of us are so caught up in the trappings of what a Christian means that we haven't gone back to the fundamental of simply praying. I, I, I'm a Christian. I can do this and I can, I can dance like that. And I, and I, I, but, but can you pray? I, I, I can speak in all these tongues. I, I've identified some of them. Baby, but can you, can you pray? Oh, we, I, I've named it and claimed it. And this is all the stuff I've named and claimed. Wait, yeah, baby, but, but can you, can you pray? Can you, can you pray? Can, can, we, can we pray? And some of us are caught up in so many other things that we simply do not take time to pray. To pray. And I say we because in a, in a moment I had and I was... It was that I, I was I'd already had my morning devotion, and sometimes we're like, okay, there was your morning devotion. That's it. That's all you get, God. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be real. Yeah, I don't have time for you to for you. Uh, I'm just gonna be honest with myself. I had my morning devotion for an hour and a half. I thought I was doing well. Did it. That's it. That was it. And then in a quiet moment, I was about to pick up my phone, and God said, "Why don't you just be still?" I put my phone down. And I was still. And you know what, what happened when I was still? God started talking to me. He started talking to me. And of all the things that we do, to all the accoutrements to say that we're Christian, how can we be Christian if we don't take time to let God talk to us? Can't be married to my wife and I don't take time to have a conversation. How can I be married with God? We're married. We're in a relationship with God. But I don't take a few minutes to let him talk to me. We spend so much time on our phone after I made that declaration. It told me this. It told me that my screen, uh, screen time had gone down 48%. But that, that means because I was taking time to just stop and listen to God. Because if we don't watch it, our phones will become our gods. Because we spend more time looking at it than we do looking at the Bible. We spend more time with it than we do in God's word. We spend more time with it than we do praying. We need to make sure that we're taking time to get back to the fundamental of praying. Because whatever it is that you desire, and I want you to stand right here in this moment. 
Whatever it is that you desire from God, whatever blessing that you're waiting on, God is saying, I've already placed that potential within you. I want you to point at three people, just find three people, look at them and say, it's in you. It's in you. It's, it's, it's in you. It's, it is in you. I want you to get it this way. Your next blessing, even when it appears that it comes from the outside, it's going to be the result of something that God has already put in you. I want you to get that. I, I really want you to understand that because be, it says be transformed and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. That is saying that which becomes attached to you, that which you are blessed with the result of what is in you. Remember Obed, Edom? David got afraid of the Ark of the Covenant. He was moving it and they weren't moving it in the way that God said to move it. And then the man touched it and then he fell down. And David said, how can I bring this into my house? So they take the Ark of the Covenant into the house of Obed-Edom. I just want to use my imagination for a moment. I just imagine Obed-Edom had a little shotgun house where, you know, they didn't even have a door on it. You can walk in one way and then walk right out of it, not even hardly notice you even been in it. But they found a little spot in the front of Obed-Edom's house and they put the Ark of the Covenant right there in his house. After they placed it there, the word records that Obed-Edom and his house and everything that attached to him was blessed. Not because of what was coming from the outside, but because of what, shall we here with me, but because of what was already on the inside. I, I, I just happen to believe Obed Edom had some bills that were due. <laughs> Somehow, some way, he didn't know how they got paid, but while the ark was there, all of those bills got paid, not because of what was happening on the outside. I wish. But because of what was on the inside and, and I came to tell that because some of you are so busy looking outside of yourself looking outside of your house wondering where your blessing is and God said I already deposited hey I already deposited your healing your financial breakthrough your relationship problem it's already already it's already already it's already already it's already it's already you know y'all you need an example how how that worked Peter said Jesus I need to figure out how to pay my taxes. Peter's a fisherman. 
Jesus said, go grab that fish and look in its mouth. And inside the mouth of the fish was enough to pay his taxes. It's all, I wish I were here. It's already. It's already. It's already in you. Oh, shut up. It's in you. So when, you, when I pray, I, I'm not praying that God take me to a far place. I'm praying that God exercise the power and the authority that is already in me. Black people, it's already in you. Black man, it's already in you. Black father, it's already in you. America, we don't have to go outside. It's already in us. We need to exercise what God has already put in us. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who've been watching us virtually, we pray that God bless you and keep you until we shall see you again. God bless you. Come on, put those I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Give a Fuck. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.